Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Base crashes in, you know it's time to begin, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Remember, it's not how far, it's not how fast, it's how frequent. We're going to be with you, we're going to help you out, be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Brooklinen, eHarmony, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is as hard to predict as a Blake Bortles Case Keenan Super Bowl, Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Hello, Jeff. Hello, audience. I am at a, a friend's amazing beach house somewhere around like Dana Pointish. So there's waves and trains and I'm on a travel mic. So if I sound different, just pretend that you're a rookie free safety going for a tackle as time expires. And literally all you have to do is touch a person and your team wins Woof. and you miss. Woof. And you miss. Woof, Christian. That guy's he's going to be as famous as like the uh, ABC News, you know, uh, agony of defeat crash person. You know, it's that's 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 like getting postered hard. Oof. I'm Team Vikings now, though. Case is a Houston kid, so he's and plus playing the Super Bowl might be in. I mean, they might get to play a quote unquote home Super Bowl yeah. if the Vikings go. It's it, it could ever. be destiny. It could. Yeah. Be, I mean, the Patriots are going to win it all, but you know, we can have fun for a little while. Yeah, that's that's true. I think the NFL just tries to give them the easiest route. To the- <laughs> All right, Patriots fans, you can hold your emails. We're not going to talk uh, about the NFL. We're going to talk video games, and we've got an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week, oh man, we're excited because DLC <laughs> stands for Delivering Lines to Camera because we have one of my favorite on-camera hosts as well as one of my favorite people you know her from Geek and Sundry and Newegg and so many other places. We are so pleased to welcome Trisha Hirschberger to the show. Hey, Trisha. Thank you, Jeff. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm glad that we're not making this entire podcast about NFL because I wouldn't have very much to contribute, I'll be honest. <laughs> That's fair. It, it, we're just um, <laughs> we're recording Sunday evening and literally watched one of the craziest endings to a playoff game ever. So uh, you, you'll forgive us if we're a little weirded out. But you – you are just back, uh, mere hours back to your to your home from uh, lovely Las Vegas, Nevada, where the Consumer Electronics Show uh, rocked your world for about a week, right? How are you holding up? Yeah, yeah. I'm still very tired, <laughs> but good. I saw a lot of really, really cool stuff. I got to try out a bunch of cool stuff. Um, 
It was nice. I know, Jeff, you were not at CES this year, right? No, I was not. No, I and was Christian, not. do you ever go to CES? I went once and I was like, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's always so crazy and so packed. And this year was extra crazy. There was a blackout in the middle of yeah. the convention center halfway through. What was that like living through it? <laughs> Did you have your Mophie pack? Like, what what did everybody do? (laughs) I was not there. Um, I was in a press suite in one of the other hotels. But I had friends who were there, and they said that there were certain booths, like I guess Samsung's booth only went down to uh, half power because they had a backup generator. So certain booths stayed on enough for people to see. But I just kind of imagine everyone taking out their phone and turning on their flashlight on their phone <laughs> to try to get around, like just insanity. What's the I'd be one trying to thing- get one of those projectors in my pocket. Oh, a 105-inch projector? Just fit this in here real quick. <laughs> What's the one thing we need at an electronic show? What could it be? What could it be? Uh, I'm very excited to have you on this week because um, as much as CES is, is – uh, a lot. It's a lot to do. Uh, and I was kind of glad not to be able to be there. I did feel a twinge, uh, based on a lot of the announcements that we saw this year, gaming announcements. And I know you were there doing lots of gaming stuff. I was watching your, your videos for Newegg, which were awesome. Um, so I'm glad to have your perspective. We'll dive into all of that, but let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And uh, Trisha, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. So what would you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, Well, the coolest thing that I got a chance to actually try at CES was the HTC Vive Pro. Yeah. So it would have to be that. I'm Vive super Pro. jealous. Yeah, describe it slowly to Jeff. <laughs> just like really. well, All of the know, resolution. Yeah, the resolution is amazing. Is so I was really, playing. Is it really that much that noticeable? It really is. It is. Um, I was playing a racing sim, and I could read all the text on the dashboard. Dang. Yeah. Christian, the only thing is that I can't pre-order it right this second. Like I would (laughs) be clicking on it right now if I could, but the pre-orders aren't up. Anyway, go ahead, Trisha. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it uses, uh, for those of you who didn't hear the announcement, it uses two OLED panels uh, and it's got a 3K resolution. It's insane looking. Um, And then HTC also announced a wireless adapter that can work with the Vive Pro or the pre-existing Vive version and that was by far the best wireless solution i've seen for a vr headset to date too i mean i don't know if you guys have tried out the backpacks where you carry your whole pc in a backpack and that's your wireless solution well i just um, did the um <laughs> i just did that star wars experience where they have that kind of thing uh and I, I found it to be pretty comfortable but obviously not particularly uh suited to a home environment right no this was great this was just a little pack that i put on my belt and uh a, a little thing that attaches to the headset and you're you're wireless now of course there are the cameras you have to set up as right. with most wireless vr um but it was really really nice i didn't with wireless my sensitivity to uh a little bit of motion sickness and a little bit of vertigo always gets me a little terrified but i'm happy to say that i did not notice a drop in resolution and it, mm. no, no frames drop nothing like that no frames dropping it was really How was the weight pretty balance smooth. of the helmet could you did it feel like well, I'm less comfortable. 
comfortable? Did it help balance the front heaviness of a typical uh, headset or anything like that? Well, there's two things I want to say about that. So first of all, uh, with the wireless, I did not notice it feeling any wonkier on the head. But uh, the second thing that I'll say about that is when they announced the Vive Pro, it is when I saw the photo of it, I was like, that's bigger than the current <laughs> Vive. And when you think, oh, this is the next gen, you don't think like you think it's going to be lighter and smaller and that means more comfortable. And so when I saw that it was larger in my mind, I thought, well, I mean, I guess they need the better performance. I guess they had to, but I, I was a little bit bummed. And when I tried it out, I had heard people talking about, oh no, but it's been more ergonomically designed. I'm like, hmm. okay. When I tried it out, I have to say the Vive Pro was easily five times more comfortable. Wow. Than so- the existing Vive, even though it's larger. It's just, it's balanced well on the head. It's comfortable. It's adjustable for glasses. Hmm. Yeah, so- it was, it was really nice. I, I find the current Vive to be by far the least comfortable of the three main headsets. Um, do you have much experience using the PSVR or Oculus? And if so, how does the Vive Pro compare to those? Um, I've tried all three of them, and I guess I'm just not terribly picky about comfort. <laughs> um, because all three of them, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can sit down for a few hours and game in this. Now, if I was doing six to 10 hour gaming sessions, maybe I would feel differently. I have an Oculus at home, um, but I've extensively tried PSVR and Vive out at trade shows. But I got the opportunity to try on the Vive and the Vive Pro back to back when I was oh, at CES cool. filming a video. So it was like, let me put on one, let me put on the other. Oh, that's um, great. And there was a noticeable difference. So, you know, obviously higher resolution, the goal is to sort of reduce or eliminate that screen door effect. And if people aren't familiar with that, that's the idea that <laughs> you're looking at a resolution. That's fine if you're in your living room looking at your television from far away. But when the panels are right up pressed against your eyes and you're looking at them through these lenses, you really actually see the space between pixels. And so it kind of looks like you're looking through a screen door. Everybody says that the promised land is 4K in each eye, which is insane at this point to be able to get the kind of frame rates we would need for VR to do that. So 3K is this sort of half step up. Is that enough to eliminate the screen door or do you still see it? Is it just better or is it, does it really feel like a revolution? Are you asking me since I tried it? <laughs> yes. yes. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to live vicariously through you as much as I can. I mean, Jeff is basically just, he seriously, everything you say, he's going to cut out of this episode and play for his wife and be like, see, I need it, babe. You don't understand. She said it's amazing, honey. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. It looks really nice. It looks really crisp. I mean, do I think that we're at the level where it looks like my office does right now as I'm sitting in the room? No. Right. Um, but it's, definitely a step up from where we were. Very cool. Um, Valve also announced new tracking <coughs> base stations, uh, which will be this big revision. And uh, while they were at CES, evidently I've been able to find zero information about them other than they were there and you're going to be able to use four of them should you choose instead of just the two. But nobody seems to know like how they'll improve the tracking. Huh, I don't know anything about that. I didn't hear about that at all when I yeah. was at CES. It's weird. It's weird. It was it was uh reported and several sites got pictures of them. They're the the current trackers for the Vive are these big box not big, they're smallish, but they're boxes. They're, you know, flat and square. Uh and the new ones are like rounded, have a rounded front, and evidently you'll be able to set up more of them, up to four, 
to cover a much larger area. I think that's like if you have a warehouse that you want to put into VR. <laughs> but other than that, um, there really hasn't been any information that I've been able to see about why they wouldn't be better. Because the the trackers for the Vive work great. I don't have any problem with tracking on the Vive. I just want to say my prediction or my hope for world peace so far is on on spot. I predicted that HTC and the Vive would go away this year. They announced a new headset. So I'm just Spicedradamus. I'm on point so far. I'm really yeah. nailing it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah you're, uh, we're, we're what, oh, oh, two weeks into your predictions and you're already uh, spectacularly we, failing. We maybe did get a Shemu 3 confirmation oh, right. for this year. So, you know, give and take, give, give and take. take. Wow. <laughs> Uh, we will talk more about that stuff and the specific demos that uh, Trisha got to got to put her face on uh, in the uh, in the VR section of the show. But Christian, what is your story of the week? Oh man, it was it was teased by Amazon doing these Nintendo placeholder pre order and CAG uh, and a couple of deal outlets always see those and the, the Nintendo Direct. It was like it's coming. When is it coming? Are they going to do one? And then sure enough, they not only did one. They do one with no fanfare, no pre-announcement. It's just, here's a Nintendo Direct Mini that's up right now, and here's all these remasters, a couple of little games. Oh, and by the way, we're just going to end it with a Dark Souls drop, and then just go back into the night. Nintendo Direct Mini, man. It was hot. Hot. Was it? I mean, I guess it was. Uh, It was so hot. Are you kidding? Okay, first of all, Donkey Kong Country Jungle. Tropical Freeze is one of the best platformers ever made, in my opinion. And to get this thing now on the Switch where people will actually play it, um, yeah. um, that, that alone is amazing. And then Dark Souls. Ports and ports and ports and ports and ports and ports. But it's okay. It is okay. When the, when the ports are some of the – literally some of the best games ever. Also, though, but like new, new Mario Tennis from Camelot that has you know, like some semblance of a single player they talked about. I don't know if it will be – as great as like the golden age of the GBA games. Finally, someone is getting my letters about a tennis game with a story mode, right? Dude, you're joking, but you, <laughs> you clearly did not play golf story last year. You didn't play Mario golf advanced or whatever the tennis one was called back in the day. I'm actually, I'm actually not joking. I really do think that <laughs> that is really cool. I mean, it's kind of the thing we were talking about with FIFA and Madden where it's like, yeah, give me this cool narrative mode. I, I think we both thought the Madden narrative mode failed, but I'm into it, man. Yeah, give me a story. I'll play tennis and and okay. and, and play through a story. Because these OG Nintendo Camelot like RPG single player, they were they were awesome. They were so good. And Mario Tennis on the Wii U was a was a real dud of a game, in my opinion. Was it the Wii or Wii U? I think it was Wii U had one. Um, and so, but there were a lot of ports. There were a lot of ports, but then there were some. I think it was Celeste was that 2D platformer that we had heard a little bit about, but they showed a decent amount of gameplay. I think that looks awesome. It looks a little bit coming out in two weeks. That game, yeah, it's like looks kind of like Meat Boy meets um, Shovel Knight, maybe or something like that. It looked really, really cool. Um, And then Dark Souls, here, dude, you're bearing the lead. What the world ends with you? No, I did not. The the lead is Donkey Kong. Country Tropical Freed. Remember when Trisha hollered and hooted all also, yeah, and I called it one of the best. That's really exciting. Yeah, that's that's the that's the lead. That's the lead. Uh, I think the world ends with you, which is one of the best DS games ever, and uh, no one has talked about nearly enough. Should have had a sequel, didn't get one, and now we're getting like this cool final remix announced for Switch. I don't know how exactly they're going to do it, but I'm in. If you don't know about the world ends with you, uh, listeners, it is 
a role-playing game set in the Shibuya district of Tokyo where your armor is fashion. It's awesome. I loved that game. <laughs> Says the guy who has like zero fashion. Sense. That's why I need them in video games. Tell me what to do. Hey, if if I went to if I went to uh, H and M or I don't know where, where do people buy clothes? I don't know. If I went to a place and it told me that like my stats would go up if I got that, I, w- I would know what to buy. I think legitimately your charisma would increase by a few points if you bought the right fashion. I, I can use I can use all of the charisma points I can get, Trisha. <laughs> Uh, and, anyway, and then we're, we're getting Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition, which I think is a fascinating game in that it's – is it the first time we're seeing like a handheld and prior gen kind of remaster coming together where it's the 3DS version and the Wii U version of the game, like all of the levels, all of the content? I'm curious how like that works if you jump between them if the 3DS just looks you know gnarly like a 3DS game on a big screen or how much work they're putting into that. But I think that's really cool. I think it's cool that we're getting more free or more content from Mario Odyssey, getting it looks like paid content from Mario Plus Rabbids. And this they call this a mini. So I'm, I think you know that hopefully implies that Nintendo even has some bigger stuff coming this year because I feel like this was a lot of stuff people were expecting just this is all Nintendo had and they just kind of dropped all of this early January. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think you, I think that does imply there's a maxi or whatever. There's a there's a bigger version that's going to have more uh, less ports, perhaps more big big news. But I agree, this is a lot of really cool stuff. You kind of uh, brushed by, by it, but I want to definitely uh, enumerate it for our audience. Uh, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is getting Donkey Kong as a playable character. Dude, cool. that game is so good. I was not expecting to be that game to have that game be near as good as it is. If you're not playing Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, you should be. I completely agree with that, and well said. Uh, and I guess this Donkey Kong thing is not just he's not just a playable character. Like he gets his own story, and there's like a whole level for him. It's it's kind of significant content, which I guess is why it's being uh, they're charging for it. Um, sure. And the uh, the new mode coming to Mario Odyssey is this really brilliant asynchronous multiplayer thing where it, it's like, you know, Mario is a game all about collectibles and there's a million uh, moons to find in Mario Odyssey. But then the geniuses at Nintendo went, you know what we could do? We could like crowdsource a bunch of collectibles. And that's kind of what this balloon hunt mode is. It's Luigi's balloon hunt. And basically you can hide balloons throughout the open world levels of Mario Odyssey and then other players will go find them and there's leaderboards attached to it. So you can go and try to find other people's balloons that they've hidden and people can try to find yours and depending on how hard it is for them to find it, you go up and it's like collectibles that the audience is putting into the game for them. It's genius. I think think it's genius. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so let's talk about Dark Souls because that was was the real – Buried the lead, I think, for for most people. Uh, Dark Souls Remaster is confirmed. It is not just coming to Switch. It is coming to all of the current-gen consoles, including uh, the uh, fancy 4K versions of our consoles. We're getting Xbox One, PlayStation 4, PC, and Switch versions of Dark Souls Remastered, and the Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 Pro versions will support 4K resolutions all of the versions, except the Switch, support yeah. uh, 60 <laughs> frames per second. Uh, and uh, it looks like it's going to be real pretty. They haven't really shown anything from it yet. 
Um, and it will include all of the DLC, evidently, the uh, Artorias of the Abyss uh, add-on content. Um, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. What do you think? And it's like it's like six players now or something, right? They increased – like because the, they, they shut – or not shut down, but like the multiplayer – in the original game, I remember it launched later. I forget it had some issues, but it seems like this one is more robust also, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're adding uh, dedicated servers to support the multiplayer. Ah, so, um, Trisha, what do you think about this? Um, are, I'm, are you a Dark Souls player or no? Uh, not so much because it's super, super difficult for me, right, uh, <laughs> which I think most people can get on board with that. But I do appreciate how beautiful it is. So for me, uh, while I love that it is coming to the Switch, I'm not sure who the target market is for that. But, you know, like for me, I'm like, go big or go home. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to play it on PC in 4K if I can. You know what I mean? That that's where I would go with Dark Souls with the Dark Souls remaster. I think it's it's I, I hear you on the go big. I think it's for the go home people. It's the people who are out <laughs> and they can't get home to their big, so they have to use the Switch, which is a, a port. That's my clumsy way of saying it. it's portable. No, no, keep keep going with that. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> um, I think that for it's interesting because you know we were just talking about this with the Nintendo Direct Mini and how so much of it is ports, but like it's the first system where yeah port everything to it because i can fundamentally play this in a different way than anything else you know i can play it out and about and i think i think that is the use case that is i'm with you by the way if you're going to do a remaster i want to see it in its most beautiful form but i do dig the fact that you know people can play these on the go and i i I understand that that's you know valuable i I love that everything's being ported to the switch i mean that is the mobile console of choice or just about everybody I know. So let's bring all the games. I'm into it. I agree. I agree. And it, sa- it seems like that's happening. I mean, the Switch is selling like gangbusters and everybody is jumping on board. And Nintendo themselves, it seems like they're like, uh, we don't have any new stuff made yet. So let's just port all the Wii U games that nobody played <laughs> because it was on Wii U. So, yeah, no reason not to. I think for Dark Souls, the bigger issue isn't necessarily how beautiful it is, but in that style of game... 30 to 60 frames per second, I think is fairly significant. And I, I believe the original ran in 30 or had some frame rate problems. So it's not as if, you know, you're getting the, the by far worst version of the game. But when you're trying to time or key off boss and get your roll or block done just right, I guess Dark Souls one doesn't have a role. It was all shield blocking, if I remember correctly. I don't know. It's been forever. What was it 2011? Was Dark Souls one? <laughs> yeah, it was a different time. We were young men. I, I just had just turned 21. And, um, but I mean, I think that's going to be, that's the hardest part about the port for me on Switch is, is playing it at that 30 frames per second when I know that there's a 60 frame version. <laughs> just like, there's like at home. There's like just at home. Six 60 frames versions. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be clear, the Nintendo Switch version runs at 30 pr- frames and 1080p when you have it docked, but in handheld mode, 30 frames and 720p. So uh, certainly not the most impressive visually. Um, it's but also like, you can curse at your handheld while on the train, you know. So like that's not that's yeah. not all bad. But you can be the guy that's going, "What the oh, oh god!" Even uh, even the Xbox One X and PlayStation Four Pro versions uh, at 4K are not native. They are upscaled at 4K um, to get the 60 frames, and only the PC allows native 4K so, uh, of any of the remastered versions. So. Interesting. As as Trisha mentioned, play on PC or go home. <laughs> That's how I feel about most games, though. So. Yeah. 
Um, I think those were the biggest stories. I have a favorite story of the week, and uh, we talked last week a little bit how uh, Awesome da- Games Done Quick was happening again this week, and uh, there were all manner of amazing feats, uh, including, not the least of which, being the fact that Awesome Games Done Quick beat its own record this year for um, money raised for their charity, which is to be plotted, uh, applauded as well. Um, but I pulled, I saw this, this story and I thought it would be wonderful to bring up uh, to you guys because I just, I'm, I'm in awe of it. Uh, evidently a, a uh, streamer by the name of the Mexican runner who we have talked about on this show before, because he's the guy that on his stream over three years beat, completed, finished every NES game ever made. What? Yes. He, he did. He, he did him, I think, in alphabetical order, in fact. Craziness. Like, even these Dude, games... that guy is my hero. Oh, yeah. You should look into this a little. You, will, you should read the stories about it because it's insane. Like, he even, he even completed games that are broken and games like <laughs> – there's like a typing tutor game that he finished <laughs> – yeah, it's insane. He like didn't skip anything. It's almost like a form of self punishment. <laughs> yeah. No way, I love it. Anyway, so this same guy, the Mexican runner at uh, Awesome Games Done Quick, sat down with Battletoads, and anybody that lived through the NES era probably remembers Battletoads as being an extraordinarily frustrating, difficult game. <laughs> you know, Battletoads, that game we all think we liked. Yeah, right. It was that it was damn tunnel stage. Yes. Well, he did that. He was so. First of all, he did a uh, a warpless any perfect run. He didn't get a new record, but he actually owns the record. He did it at twenty in twenty nine minutes. His record is twenty three minutes. So he didn't beat his own record, but he still is very impressive to get through the game that quickly. But then, because they reached their their um, donation goal, he said he would do that tunnel level, that turbo tunnel level that is so mind numbingly frustrating. He would do it blindfolded and he put on this hat backwards over his eyes and he's like, I hope you guys believe I really can't see anything. I really can't. And then he's like, to prove it, I'll look down and just avert my eyes from the screen as well. And the whole place went quiet and he he did that entire level by listening to the audio cues. <laughs> just no listening way. to the sound effects. It's insane. Uh, you guys should definitely – uh, check this out if you haven't seen it. It, it is re- really worth watching. It's an amazing thing to see a room full of people like get stone silent and watch him. <laughs> you just hear it's like the the horrible NES sound effects of like and he's just like listening and doing his moves and jumps based on that. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing, and it's almost inhuman. So uh, I love I love that stuff. I thought I'd bring it up. That is so cool. Thank you for sharing that. Right? I mean, who is this guy? Crazy. Uh, He's obviously sold his soul to the devil. Yes, clearly. clearly. Um, Anyway, cool stuff and awesome games done quick. And uh, congratulations to them for raising so much, uh, so much money this year. It's it's a really cool cause and a really cool organization and and a positive side to gaming. Oftentimes we talk so much negative stuff. It's great to uh, recognize the positive as well. Indeed. Speaking of positive, guys. Before we move on. Well, I think our sponsor, our first sponsor is Brooklyn, and that's my sheets. This is the sheets that I use uh, every night to sleep on, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Uh, we have talked about how bad I am at buying things. I 
turns out um, I have been living on scratchy, awful sheets so much in my life. I didn't even know what luxury felt like until I got Brooklyn in sheets. But it is such a difference to have really well-made, comfortable, luxurious sheets. I know you guys are going to love these. I love them. I'm, I'm anxious for you to try them. Sheets are not something you usually get excited about, but when you sleep as little as I do because I have a one-year-old, you appreciate sleeping in luxury. Brooklinen is this company that was founded in 2014 by a husband and wife team, and they decided that simple, beautiful home essentials without luxury prices should be possible, and so they did it. They made an online-only company, and they cut out all the unnecessary markups and stuff. All of that is to say it's less expensive and feels like super high-end luxury stuff. I've been using it the very rare times when uh, I don't get the laundry done and, and before we have to go to bed and we have to put our old sheets on. My wife looks at me askance and because we're not sleeping on the great Brooklinen sheets. Check these out. Go to brooklinen.com. I bet you'll dig them. They're really stylish too. We have the uh, this kind of cool gray and white striped look that my wife picked out. She loves it. I love how it feels. Uh, and we're going to get you $20 off and free shipping. All you got to do is use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use the promo code DLC when you check out. And Brooklinen is so confident that you're going to love your sheets that they give you a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty. That's pretty cool too. It's not just like 60 days to sleep on it and decide. Once you do decide, they back you up with a lifetime warranty. That's pretty awesome. That's on. You all said the do, do. I do? Once you do decide. No, you said do decide. Never. Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> so the only way to get $20 <laughs> off and free shipping is use the promo code DLC. Check it out. Brooklinen.com and the promo code DLC. Time to talk about the stuff we've been playing, and uh, Trisha, you've been playing some great indie games, including uh, one that I have been meaning to try. So many people talked about it as one of the best games of the year, and so many people have told me I have to play it. I have not had a chance to play Night in the Woods yet. What do you think of it? Uh, Well, I have not completed it yet. I would imagine that I'm probably... 60 to 70 percent of the way through it mm-hmm. um and so far i'm liking it it's it's the tone of it i feel sets it apart it's but a very you seem a little lukewarm on your on your feelings are you are you, you just like just liking it yeah i'm just liking it okay i have i feel like this is going to be one where i get to the end and there's going to be something in the story that just completely tugs at my heartstrings and mm. has a crazy meaning but i haven't really gotten there yet okay um, but I'm waiting for it. Every I've heard the same things as you. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's one of the best games of the year. You got to play it." Uh, so that's why I'm going through it. But I'm going through it on my stream, so I'm taking breaks in between. And maybe if I was just running all the way through, I'd feel differently. Right. But right now, I'm like, "Okay, it's a little slow moving. I'm waiting for the good stuff. That's okay." Okay. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. Um, and then the last game that I completed was What Remains of Edith Finch. Speaking oh, of great indie games, love that game so much. Yeah, so interesting. Although I have to say, some parts of it were very difficult for me to get through. As a new mother, I yep. am not surprised. <laughs> did yeah. you did you stream that as well, or did you play that kind of on your own time? I streamed it. 
Interesting. As Mike, cause I feel like for some of these games, these games, whatever, like emotional narrative based games, I've often wondered if my experience is different on ones that I've streamed or not streamed. Like, you know, I, I've seen you play games online and you're a very genuine person, but like at the same time, I think you, most people, a universal you, when you're streaming, you're performing a little bit, right? Like it's a little different experience than playing a game with the lights off and a blanket and hot chocolate or whatever you would normally do versus like having this experience in front of hundred thousand or whatever people. And you're just like, like, are you crying on stream uh, during what remains of Edith Fitch? Like, did you hold it together? How did, what was that experience? Uh, I did hold it together, but I almost did. I almost could not progress the game. Because I knew what I had to do to progress the game, and I did not want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was really hard. But I have done – I don't know if either of you have ever played that Dragon Cancer. No, Mm -hmm. I have not. Fortunately, I played that before I became a parent because Mm -hmm. now I don't think that I could exist through that game. Um, But then even – I – that was the first stream that I really cried on camera. Like really, really had – like my chat was like – Hey, if you need to excuse yourself, that's okay. <laughs> like you can calm down off camera yeah. and come back and that's all right. We'll still be here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a oh, mess yeah. with that game. Um, but oh, wow. honestly, to me, those games are so impactful and do so much for the video game industry as far as, I mean, most people will agree now that video games are an art form. I don't think you run into that. Um, uh, you don't run into that criticism as much as you used to, but those are the games that really push the envelope in that respect. And I love them for that fact. I totally agree. I mean, I, yeah. How great is it that a game can even do that? And, uh, yeah. What remains of it Finch was, I think it was my number four game of the year. I, I, I loved it. And, um, Christian has a cold, dead heart and he didn't like it, but, um, <laughs> I, wait, wait, wait. no, 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 no. I just want to be clear. I have both of those. I have that, but that's not why I didn't like it. I don't want people to think. <laughs> it's too independent. Statement. Like you might have a cold, dead heart and still love the game. It's just for me. <laughs> it wasn't for you. That's okay. Yeah. Um, we won't spoil anything with what remains of Edith Finch, but just in uh, completely uh, generalized terms, was it the bathtub scene that you had? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The second it started, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I know where this is going. Oh, no. Like, I (laughs) – oh. How did you get through it? I mean, it was – I cried. Uh, Jeff has a no. Jeff has a cold, dead heart. He loved it. He lived for those moments. <laughs> yeah. Those were his favorite was, parts. No, that's that's too dark even for me to make a joke. <laughs> um, no, I I, I cried, uh, and it was very hard. And uh, but I also uh, that wasn't the only place that that got me in that game. There were uh, there were really? several spots. I mean, I thought the the swing moment. Oh, was, the swing was rough. Yeah, and then the fish chopping guy moments uh-huh. uh they you know and it's a magical game it's like it's an incredible thing that that game exists and can do that over and over in different ways and completely different you know milieus it's 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 an amazing thing yeah i'm i'm interested christian what was it that you were not so fond of with that game I think it was kind of the tone of the game in terms of, is it, I wasn't able to get sucked into the world where I was like, is this family real? Is is it just telling me these stories? Like all of this 
fantasy stuff is happening to this family and like the house is weird, but yet it's kind of set in this very real Pacific Northwest. And there was just some version of the suspension of disbelief that I wasn't able to get on board with and why this family kept having these horrible things happen to it and no one could break the cycle. So I, I didn't get pulled in the way you would like a black mirror or, you know, some other stories of horrible things happening to people or something like that. And then for whatever reason, yeah, like the narrative wasn't, didn't pull me in. And I've certainly been pulled in by games that have like narratives in the past, but there was something about it. And I also think, I, it was like the third air quote walking sim I had played in a row. So I think that <laughs> might have colored my perception of the game going into I, it as well. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, Trisha, you also have been yeah. playing something else on your stream, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just recently I was streaming Alice Madness Returns as a viewer suggestion. I have loyalty points on my stream and people can redeem their loyalty points to suggest games. And then in my spare time, like for me, my kind of waiting for the bus game, as I call it, is uh lately Hearthstone Dungeon Runs. Oh, yeah. They're like the best because... Do you ever get on the bus or do you just wait for one more bus to come? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it, the nice thing about the Dungeon Runs is that your turn's not timed. Mm. So in the world of me being a new parent, sometimes mid-game I have something more pressing I have to do and it kills me when I have to concede a match right. because I have, you know, like mom stuff. Right. Uh, which sounds so silly because obviously my priority is my child. However, my rank, the gamer junior. in me is like, but I'm doing so well. Yeah. But your child is Hearthstone, so it all makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, so that that's what I've been playing in my downtime. And then I, I didn't uh, talk to you about this, Jeff, but the game that I've been running through with my husband at home, local co-op, is Divinity Original Sin 2, and I love you have it. the dream marriage. <laughs> well, Best my- marriage of all. There, most times I suggest games, and he goes, "No, let's just watch Netflix." <laughs> so it's me finding something that's a really great local co-op experience to make that happen. Yeah, and that is the game that has made that happen right now. So I'm I'm very very uh, happy with Larian Studios for making my life a little better. It's an extraordinary. Why are game. you, Trisha? Why are you every guy's dream wife, and why is your husband every girl's dream husband? <laughs> <laughs> I don't he know. just wants to watch I, Netflix. Finally, someone that gets me, and you just want to play games. I think opposites attract, and that's why we're all <laughs> in the situations we're in. <laughs> uh, so I think that Larry did an amazing job of making it a co-op experience and kind of creating this Dungeons & Dragons-style thing and, and some of the really interesting minutia of how it all works where you can have a conversation, and I can either – listen to that conversation or not. I can walk over and do my own thing. How are you guys in co-op doing it? Like, are you, are you kind of staying together and listening and, and weighing in on decisions or is one person doing one thing, one person doing another thing? How, how is it working for you? When we first started out, we were both like running off and doing our own thing. I think because we're both impatient um, and want right. to be the leader and we play a lot of tabletop RPGs together. So we're used to playing Dungeons and Dragons together. Um, so once we set like kind of, we had like a powwow outside of game about it where we were like, look, <laughs> we're going to play this together. We need to play this game together. So let's think of it more like a D&D campaign. 
and really go through it and make decisions together, et cetera. So that's what we've been doing now. And that's making the story a lot better. Such a good game. Such a good game. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> this yeah. episode is just Trisha says things that Jeff wishes he had done. It's like, oh yeah, the Vive Pro is so great. It's so comfortable. <laughs> oh yeah, Divinity 2, we're playing so much co-op. And I just, I hear the sighs. I hear the longing in Jeff's voice. So much vicarious living. It's all. Dude, you're welcome to come over and play Divinity Original Sin 2 with us. <sighs> Let's, can we like, Go in halvesies on childcare and just like <laughs> we'll just, I'll bring my kid with your kid and we'll just yep. uh, yeah I love it. Yep. Uh, Christian, what's on what's on your playlist? Really, just more PUBG. I feel like I'm in this this weird place where I uh, work's been a little busy and hectic, and I haven't had a lot of time to dive into substantial things on my backlog. Um, and I'm waiting for January's games to hit. I think the next thing out I'm excited about is the Inpatient to get me under the the hood again in VR. So it's just more PUBG. Uh, we can I can but I'll give time to the room so that we can talk about some VR stuff and some board game stuff later, but same old, same old. I love it. I'm still not winning. <laughs> it's still PUBG. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you, you're still playing on PC, right? Yeah. It's hard for me to go back to Xbox. I think it had like what? 3 million, uh, 3 million sale. I don't know, whatever, something they'd hit some milestone. Um, I think it's a fine experience on Xbox, but the, the PC version is better. And my Xbox is literally hooked up to the same TV as my PC. So there's, there's no reason for me to play it, but for my friend saying like, Hey, we're on Xbox today. Come join us. Right. You, that is your, here's the storm, right? That's your, that's your, that's, you're just going to keep playing that. Although you did go through like a rocket league phase and it's, an it's, it's my current phase. overwatch or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was rocket league overwatch now PUBG, and it's, you know, it's my golf, right? Like um, right now I'm playing with cheapy D a lot. We play uh, pretty much every week, Friday mornings on his Twitch, which is just cheap ass gamer. Um, and then I've been playing with Chris Bergman some, so I'm sure something else will come out, uh, that will uh, pull me toward it. But right now I just don't have a reason to, to, to try yeah, anything not, else. I feel like you're a little more mercurial than I am. You're, it's not your true love. It's your, it's your love of the moment. It'd be my true love if I could win a freaking game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Right now I uh, just parachute in and die. <laughs> if I wanted to do that, um, I, uh, I have been going back. I, I'm I'm trying to clean up some of the messy mess of the end of 2017 of all the all the games that I was enthusiastic about, and then something new and shiny would come out, and I'd abandon it halfway through. And this and, game gets messy. I know what you're going to say, and it gets messy at the end. So I'm really I'm really trying to put the time in and like finish up some some games right now while there's this little bit of a lull before uh, you know Far Cry and stuff comes out. Um, and so I went back and I finished uh, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus Yay. Uh, this week. And I think Christian and I are actually going to do a big spoilery spoiler cast at the end of this episode. So um, if you want to if you want to hear us talk like super spoilers for the story, because this is very much a story game, uh, Christian and I record uh, a little uh, spoiler cast. It'll be at the after this this episode ends. Um, but without you spoiling, play- you played on normal the whole way, like we talked about, right? You made fun of me for playing it on easy, no. and you stuck to your guns, and you beat it on normal. Is that what you're going to say? No, I, I, I went down to easy. Uh, yeah. Sure. I, down to easy. Um, I did not find the uh, mechanics enjoyable per se, and I know yep. we've talked about this at length, uh, just the pure shooteriness of it. A lot of people disagree with me. I've gotten lots of emails of people who disagree with me, and that's fine. More power to you if you dig this game's uh, – pure shootery mechanic. I think that's great. Uh, I do think though 
the game gets way better about, I don't know, halfway through, a third of the way through. I like won't when you sw- switch to easy? <laughs> no. <laughs> is that what happened no, for I you? That's what, that's what happened for me. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, there is a moment that happens where you get one of three new powers and you yeah. get to pick. And the power that I picked is this cool, like, charging power that lets me run into sprint across the map and same one run yeah into people. same uh i'm very curious what it would have been like if i had picked a different one of those powers but that turned the game into doom for me i'm like now especially because i was on easy i was like now i'm playing doom now i'm just like charging in smacking people and going crazy uh so that i found to be the turning point of like oh okay this is fun um, and now I'm, I'm just getting into the mix instead of trying to even, you know, there's all these mechanics in that game of like lean around a corner and shoot and find cover and all that stuff. And at the beginning of the game, I was trying to be that guy. And I feel like this game is just go nuts, balls to the wall. Well, speaking vaguely, and I, I'm, maybe people have heard already, but I will not say it. Um, the game changes. Like that's one instance where the game changes and the game changes at a slightly at a different instance as well, where how you have to um, approach situations changes literally because of your role in the world. Mm. And so it's interesting the way that you still have those same mechanics later in the game, but the way you play the first few levels, um, I mean, you can't, you can't play the first few levels the way you're able to play the end, right? Like, At the end, you can John Rambo and, and, and do just fine like that. In the beginning of the game, I really don't think you can get through, you can get through levels like that. And it's fascinating that it's all one game with, you know, similar play style throughout, but how it modifies that as you complete the narrative, I think is, is really interesting. Yeah. Well, that all being said, uh, I, I ended up having a good time and looking forward to it as I was, you know, night to night. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to get a couple more hours in on Wolfenstein this week as I was pushing toward the end. I was, I was actually looking forward to it. And I was playing on Xbox One X on my new HDR TV, and it is a gorgeous game. It is beautiful. Uh, plays silky smooth on Xbox One X. I was really enjoying it. That said – I do think everything this game does that isn't video game is the best stuff about the game. Like the story it tells, the way it's directed, it it, it feels like some of the best cutscenes in a video mm-hmm. game I can remember. Like just the kineticism, the characters, the acting, the the just insane places the story goes. It's so over the top as to be cartoonish, but like in the most fun comic booky way. Um, so I had a blast. I actually was look, looking forward to seeing what new insane thing this story was going to take me to and what new weird moment the story was going to show me. Uh, so I was looking forward to narratively what would happen next, which I can't say for most first-person shooters I play. So there's that. Yeah, Trisha, did you play Wolfenstein 2 at all? That game's too scary for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's super true. I lose out on these wonderful cinematic acting moments. Honestly, sometimes for stream's sake or just because I feel like I need to experience it as someone in the gaming industry, uh, I will put it on easy and try to go through it. But it's not not if I only have four hours a night to game, that's that's not my choice. Yeah, Right. right. 
I, I, you know, I'm glad I finished it. And I'm, and we will talk, uh, more at length at the end of this episode. If you've finished, uh, Wolfenstein 2 or don't care about spoilers, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, how's your addiction going? My Heroes of the Storm edition? Yeah. Uh, how are you? How's your rank? How's, uh, how's yeah. lunch going with Kyle? How it's, are things? It's good, man. I've had a good week. I got to knock on all the wood everywhere, but, um, I don't want to jinx anything, but I am, I am, winning i have found uh, a new character and i am i am currently uh 12 and 5 with that character which is who's your main can you say it or just saying it out loud make it like hamlet are you not allowed no i can say uh, malthiel malthiel is my new main so uh i know christian you're shocked it's malthiel um (laughs) malthiel is a sort of a dive a dive character and actually um Learning from Kyle Ferguson, I do this stream uh, once a week where Kyle, who is a professional Heroes of the Storm coach, coaches me for an hour in uh, Heroes of the Storm. And he pushed me to learn a dive character. Dive character means uh, a character that dives into the back of the team, uh, the opposite team, and does creates chaos, does a lot of damage to the back line. Uh, it's a dangerous character to play because diving in usually means you're going to get targeted and killed. Um, so it's, uh, the skill that is required to do that is, is unique and specific. Um, but I have been get, having a lot of success with Malthiel and, uh, playing a dive character. Uh, and, uh, I think he's a character that not a lot of people play, so he's easy to draft. I don't have to worry about someone taking him or banning him. And, uh, I've been doing really, really well. So I'm like, I moved up a rank already and, and I'm trying to like ride this horse as long as I possibly can. Uh, Matthew is a character from the Diablo series, right? That's right. Yes, he is. Um, he is, um, one of the many incarnations of death, I guess. Something, something along those lines. Yeah. Also, I said Hamlet. I meant Macbeth. Theater, uh, kids, don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm at a beach house and I just, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I, re- <laughs> I so realize much, my it's not so much the beach house as it is the not caring. <laughs> no, I I actually really love Shakespeare, and I feel bad that I made such a dumb mistake. It's I okay. apologize. I didn't correct you. Um, I didn't either, and I was a theater major. Yeah, same. And you both are. That's why I know I had to say it because you were both uh, <laughs> silently judging. I could judging. feel it. Yeah. I could feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's from he's from uh, Diablo and is cool and lays down these cool. Uh, you guys don't. It's not. We don't have to be specific. That's sweet. No, that's awesome, though. Yeah. It's always nice when you find a new main and you're feeling real good about yourself. It like reinvigorates the game for you. I Can know, I be honest? Great. It's been a while. It's been a while since I felt really good about the game. So uh, it's nice, and, and I think the coaching is paying off. And like I'm, I hope this momentum continues. It's been a. It's they it, just had a big new patch that changed up a lot of stuff. So who knows? But. Uh, I'm I'm doing well. I play that now, game every day. It's ridiculous. Do you think once you master Hots, do you think you're going to move to like a Dota two or a LOL? No. Okay. A, I will never master Hots. Uh, <laughs> and B, uh, it's my game. It's my game. I mean, I I respect the fact that the player bases of both those games are much larger, and the sort of profile of those games is much higher, but. You know, you brought up like, oh yeah, that's a character from Diablo. Yeah, I love Diablo. I love World of Warcraft. I love Hearthstone. I love yeah, Starcraft. You're, you're a Blizzard kid. I love the fact that when they announce a new character, I know where it came from. You know, they just announced Firebat. Uh, it was the latest character that just entered the the Heroes of the Storm on Tuesday. Firebat from Starcraft 
it's awesome. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been playing. He has the same sound, yeah. you know, line, the lines of dialogue from the other games. And I love that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm a, I'm a total Blizzard fanboy. So yeah. Blizzard does a great job with that. Uh, were you at BlizzCon this year, Jeff? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And how about you, Christian? No, what was it last year I went? Not this year. Uh, Overwatch has been the only thing that pulled me in. StarCraft, it was like, it, it ruined too many of my college friends' uh, academic careers <laughs> that I couldn't. I was able to stay away. I was able to stay away. But man, they do it. They do it right. You know, they know how to play off of nostalgia and refine a, a game type and a mechanic that someone else has maybe done first. And I'm super excited. I, I don't know. We didn't talk about this at all this year, Jeff, in terms of like predictions, but I wonder if we're going to see that mythical next blizzard thing this year. I mean, yeah, leaks kind of little, little teeny leaks can't seem to keep happening. So maybe this is year we get it. Yeah. They keep having those, you know, job postings that people read into. So maybe, maybe so, maybe so. I'd like to see a new game from them. I'd, I'd like to see them to do something. You know, the last few things that they've done have been all of these, like, multiplayer-focused, feel-like smaller games, you know? Uh, Hearthstone felt like a smaller game, even though it's become a very big deal and is a very, you know, big game that they put a lot of resources in and is a big, robust experience. It also, you know, it's a card game, and Heroes of the Storm is a MOBA, and Overwatch is a multiplayer-only shooter. I'd like to see them do something that's a little more back to where they came from, which is cool, giant, narrative-based, um, you know, new universe kind of creating thing. But who knows if they'll do that. They certainly don't seem to need to to make, make all the money. <laughs> all right, let's move on and, and talk a little VR. Uh, let me thank our second sponsor, though, eHarmony. Uh, if you are listening to this and you have maybe tried online dating or maybe haven't tried online dating, let me, let me give you the pitch for eHarmony. I actually met my wife, uh, using online dating and, uh, I didn't intend to, to actually, uh, you know, go out and meet a wife, but it worked so well. Wait, what did you intend to do? I just wanted to date. I just wanted to, you know, meet people. I, it's hard to meet people in the, in today's hustle and bustle world, you know? You're here. Right? Um, yeah, dude. And uh, and it worked so well that uh, I got I done got married and had kids. Um, so like this is a warning more than it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, eHarmony is not your average online dating site. So it, even if you have tried online dating, you may have found it to be kind of this weird window shopping thing where you're like looking at pictures of people and deciding whether or not you want to meet them. It's that's kind of inherently shallow and ridiculous and you're not going to get a sense of someone just by looking at their picture and you're kind of like rolling the dice at, when you meet up for coffee or whatever. Why not do something that actually has a little more substance to – a lot more substance to it but doesn't take much more effort on your part? It's easy. It's quick and it actually has proven results. What you do is you take a, a questionnaire that's not just yes or no questions, but it also doesn't take more than 15 to 20 minutes. And it has proven to find people who are compatible, who actually like meeting each other, who you're not just judging based on some shallow version of them. You're actually getting someone that is uh, compatible with you. And they take steps to find you the, the compatible match that have been proven over time, which is, which is really, really cool. Um, you can actually get a free month of eHarmony. So you can try it out on us, really. 
all by just using our promo code DLC at checkout. So when you sign up for a three-month subscription, we'll give you a free month. If you use our promo code DLC, that's eHarmony.com. Use the promo code DLC. Find out how easy it is and take a chance. You know, it's it's actually proven to be work to, to work for a lot of people. Um, they're not just focused on an image of a relationship. They actually find you exactly what you are looking for. And that doesn't have to be finding a spouse, for example. This is not, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I want to get married. Find somebody that you'll actually like spending time with. It's easy. I, I mean, if I hadn't done um, online dating, I would never have ever met my wife. I would never have met any of the people that I dated during that period. And I thought that was pretty a pretty neat experience going out of my actual uh my little bubble of, of meeting people. So can anyway. I tell you something? Though? What's that? I said, can I tell you something? Yes, please. I, uh, I also did a lot of online dating. And to this day, I tell people that out of all the different types of online dating that I did, I recommend eHarmony from personal experience. That's so awesome. See? Yeah. I've had a lot of really cool people through eHarmony. Very cool. So check it out. We'll give you a free month. eHarmony.com and promo code DLC. Don't take my word for it. Listen to Trisha Hershberger. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love. eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter promo code DLC at checkout. All right, Trisha, we talked about the Vive Pro and the wireless adapter, both of which I'm trying to pre-order, but they won't let me yet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But let's talk, I I mean, CES, all week long you were there doing all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, and VRAR was a huge part of the event uh, as it has been for the last several years, what were some of the cool things that you saw or got to do in in VR while you were at CES? Oh, man, there were so many different demos. Um, I don't know. I really like the real-world application of stuff. Like, obviously, we like to use VR, and I've seen AR demos that are escapism and gaming and entertainment. Um, but I love to see those real-world applications. Like, for example, I did a demo where you're learning how to operate on someone and you have to place a stint. Oh um, and that was crazy, but that's something that could be used in medical training. You, <laughs> See, like, you go, Trisha, you go, uh, Wolfenstein is too scary for me. <laughs> Operating on someone <laughs> is too scary for me. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be scary if I wasn't constantly reminding myself that it was not real, but for whatever reason, when I play Wolfenstein, I'm, it's too real. It's too real. Um, but that was cool. There was a training simulation uh, showing how to train employees to use a forklift, how to operate a forklift. And so something Shenmue? like that could save businesses a lot of money. <laughs> Shenmue 3 finally was playable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like something like that could save a corporation a lot of money. And it would be uh, a lot more safe, I would imagine, for people who are attempting to operate heavy machinery for the first time. Yeah, yeah Things like that are really neat. I also just did some... Absolutely fun escapism demo as I played the, uh, I used the Vive Pro for a CXC racing simulation. Whoa. 
that I was in a haptic feedback chair and everything. So it was, you know, the whole thing. And that was really fun. All those manual paddle shifters and I drive an automatic in LA. So I had to learn how to do that in my simulation, but I feel like I got it by my fourth or fifth lap. Um, (laughs) But that's the one I was talking about where I could read the entire dash. Wow. So, so So tell me about this like haptic suit and how that all, like, were you, you were literally in a suit that gave you pressure feedback? So this was a haptic chair. Oh, a chair. So it was much more similar to uh, racing games that you would see in an arcade right. where you're seated in a racing bucket style chair. Right. Um, and just – and but except for I had to buckle in and so the buckle was being pulled as well. Oh, uh, that's awesome. With that's the game. Cool. It was very, very cool. It was really neat. Did it really feel um, – I mean you're a person that has driven a car. Did it feel <laughs> – like a, uh, you were driving. A, I mean, this is something just to give you a little backstory. This is something that Christian and I have been talking about for literally like five years where he's a huge fan of racing games. And I always saying that the thing I can't understand about racing games is that what I rely on most when I'm driving has nothing to do with audio or visual. It's like this feeling. And I'm wondering if maybe we're getting to the point where that can be conveyed. I Definitely think it was. I mean, there was one point where I was supposed to take a turn in second gear, and I think I took it in fourth. And I <laughs> definitely spun out. Like, I definitely, and I was going to crash. Like, I'm watching myself go right into the wall, and I was terrified. Wow. Because the feel was so realistic. I was like, oh no, I'm going to crash. What's it going to feel like? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I definitely felt it. It was, and that was the fun of the game for me because, like, I kind of agree with you, Jeff. Like, I'm like, I get to drive all the time. So when I play games where I get to drive, I'm kind of like, Meh. Um, but I could feel the turns. I could feel uh, like it was, it was nice. Wow. I could feel the road. It was very cool. Um, and then another demo that I got to play, speaking of haptic feedback suits was I got to play a ready player one demo. Whoa. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so I was hanging out in H's basement. Oh, Wow talking to other avatars that were in there. We were having conversations and, um, you know, surrounded by various 80s pop culture references. So is and it, just I'm assuming this is based on how the movie is going to look, right? Yeah, this was in collaboration with the movie. So that's what H's garage is what they're saying for the movie will actually look like in the film, which was neat to get a sneak preview of that. Did uh, one of your legs feel longer than the other leg? Like how um, <laughs> how movie authentic is this? Uh, it, it did not. Uh, <laughs> But I don't know who I don't know which character I was embodying in my <laughs> in my demo. I was I was me. I was Trisha. So oh, cool. Normal normal leg ladder, not climbing. Trisha totally. Got, yeah, totally. Yep. Um, but it, no, it was it was really really fun, and it just makes me think about. I have both of you read the book. Yes. Okay. I mean, I've listened to it, but I will say that I read it because that makes me sound smarter. Oh, yes. you listened to Will Wheaton read. Yeah, I like, I've listened, honestly, I've listened to so much Will over my life. Like, I know him a little bit, not as well as some people in this industry, but I've listened to him for so many hours reading me stories. Like, uh, he's like my dad, you know, he's, he's like, so good. he's my book dad. <laughs> he's so good. I agree. I've listened to it as well. Um, but yeah, I, the world of the Oasis is so cool to me. Like, that's, that's where I want us to get to, to the haptic feedback suits. And like, obviously, there are very scary complications that come from that, <laughs> yeah. but I cannot help but want that with every fiber of my being. So when I'm trying out this new VR and AR at CES and we're seeing all these futuristic things, that's 
that's what my my measuring stick always is. Like, how close are we to the oasis? Yeah, for real. And every year, I'm like, oh man, we're we're getting closer. We're so <laughs> close every year. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, having been to CES, there's always there's always um, a sense that you get of the stuff that feels like we're going to see it and the stuff that's like, oh, this is just a CES thing where it's just here because it's insane. and It's a refrigerator, but also your vacuum. And you're like (laughs) – Oh, yeah. You definitely see that stuff. You're like, this is is never coming out to consumers, never going to production. But some stuff actually does. I remember years and years and years ago, I saw what I thought was going to revolutionize the way we watch TV and then it never came to production. It was this – television that depending uh which angle you were viewing the screen from you could watch a completely different thing than the person sitting next to you Hmm. so if you both had on headsets say um you know a parent and a child the child could watch the their favorite cartoon or whatnot and the parent could watch adult programming at the same time and i was like this is awesome that would revolutionize plane trips plane flights sony did that with their playstation monitor like with 3d tech it was like for kids in dorms you could like each watch something different yeah that was cool tech but then yeah never did anything right and for gaming applications like you would never have to have split screen in a local co-op experience you could each have your own screen um and then i saw a company uh doing something similar but with projection both at e3 and at ces this year and that's miraviz if you had a chance to run into them Hmm, no Interesting. Um, and that's a little more complicated because you have to have a projector for each person. Yeah. Hmm. But they're projecting to the same screen, and it's something about – they were very vague with me when I was asking them questions about what the screen was made of. But it's something about the material of the screen that enables that to happen. But, again, cool idea. Will this be our future, or is this kind of like the Jetsons where we're just making stuff up that's not really going to happen? I have no idea. Right, right. I mean, that's like Jeff and I's uh, bold predictions episode of this podcast. We're just making stuff up that's never going to happen. I mean, I get it. It's fun to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's cool, man. I, I was watching a lot of your videos, uh, Trisha. I was uh, I was living as, as I – it seems to be the theme. I was living vicariously. Um, and CES, it's always this mixed bag, right? There's always this amazing stuff and there's always this crazy kooky stuff. And it's always like, is that really a good thing? Is it really a bad? I wonder, did you get a sense of the, I don't know, just general vibe from the VR, AR stuff? Did it feel like it was a big deal? I mean, clearly the, not the vibe, I mean the VR. I, I, clearly vibe was a big deal, but like just VR, AR in general, um, do you, did you feel like it, there was like an energy there? I don't know. I'm not being specific with my question. but Well, I, I mean, what I think you're getting at is that, VR and AR have been around for a while, and I feel like there's buzz amongst people in the tech industry, and there's buzz amongst your specifically VR-interested gamers, but your general populace kind of doesn't care. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that was still the same at CES this year. There were tons of companies making new peripherals, haptic peripherals, all sorts of stuff. And I, you know, I'm still not sure that Joe Schmo who plays games very casually is going to feel like, I need a headset because that's when I feel like it's going to transition when I want it. It's a hobby becomes, I need this. And that's why I'm always so interested in those real world applications like medical training or, you know, whatnot, because that's the point when I feel like that 
switch will flip for people mm-hmm. when they say, oh, man, my life is at a disadvantage because I don't have this. I've been, I've been having to do amateur surgeries in by myself without EVR. It's oh, been, don't even. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly think, you know, you talk about Ready Player One. If that movie is a hit, I think it could really push the whole tech forward on it. People would be That's like, true. oh, yeah, I really want to do that. It's like, oh, guess what? You can kind of yeah. almost. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you think that movie a social will be VR a lobby? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, do I think do it's going to be a hit? Yeah. Uh, I am, I am doubtful, but I am hopeful. Yeah, me too. It's, it stinks. It should be like right up because like the book is so fun. Like it's not high culture or anything, right? But like it's so fun. And I don't know. It, it I don't know why I'm not more jazzed for it. I don't, it, I mean, it's Spielberg who's literally made like all of my favorite movies, right? D- talking about, one of my very favorite things, video games, wrapped with all of my favorite things from my youth. And maybe that's why, maybe it's too many favorite things. It's it's like too much of a good thing crammed into one product that I'm now an old man and skeptical of it. But man, I hope it, I hope it comes together well. Me too. Me too. Well, uh, along those lines, um, I kind of, I'm a little hesitant to launch into this because I, I, I'm very passionate about it. Uh, but I want to talk, especially with Trisha here and her perspective, I really feel like I have seen a glimpse of the VR future uh, because I jumped into the early access on a game called Orbis VR, which is a full MMO built for VR. Small team. Um, it is not the most visually impressive thing you will see. It looks almost like uh, the Wii, the Miis from Wii, you know, the little Mii char- avatar characters. So the the whole world is is pretty simplistic from a visual perspective, but that is not even close to what makes it the most exciting thing that I've played in a while. It I'm a you know I'm an MMO fan. I dig MMOs, and the sort of Ready Player One fantasy is a giant, robust world full of real human beings that are as their in-game avatars and doing things in the game. That lets you feel like you're living out that fantasy. Now, Orbis VR is a sort of fantasy genre. So it's like, you know, sword and sorcery type stuff. And there are currently four playable classes in the game. You can switch classes at any time just by putting on new gear. The gear defines your class. That's cool. Super cool. And the thing that I find to be so amazing about Orbis VR, the thing that makes me think it's the future, and I... Welcome and expect pushback on this from Christian, if not both of you, um, is that every – okay, video games we know take skill. We just talked about awesome games done quick and the amount of skill it takes to do that kind of stuff. We know playing an MMO takes skill. But the skill that's required in MMO is almost entirely decision-making. It's almost entirely did I push the right button at the right time, Right. There is some twitch twitchy uh, skill required for all video games as well. In real time, you have to be able to, you know, activate the buttons and the, you know, twitchy whatever reflexes. But what Orbis VR brings to the to the table because of the fact that you are inside the game one to one using gesture controls, you, you move your hand, you move your head, you move your body like a normal human being was to would to do things. It actually brings, in my opinion, skills that are much more one-to-one 
as far as whether or not you can accomplish something in the game. Your skill. Do you mean like physical fitness or do you mean like well, blacksmith ability? Like you're actually well, smithing a shoe. Depends. What are you doing? Do you need, do you, do you want to play the warrior class? Do you want to play the melee attack class? Because yeah, you're going to need to be physically fit just like a warrior would need to. You know how hmm. you put your points into strength and stamina and constitution when you want to play a warrior in a video game? Well, guess what? This game doesn't have points. It has your arms. And you're going to have to be able to do things physically over long periods of time to be a good warrior. So oh, that's you, intimidating. It, it, a little bit intimidating. But that's just one class, right? Now, you talk about blacksmithing. There isn't blacksmithing smithing in the game, but there is alchemy. Now, how do you do alchemy in World of Warcraft or EverQuest or myriad other MMOs? Well, you collect together all of the bits and bobs that you need to make the potion and then you push a button and it fills up a little meter and when you're done you have a potion right well how do you accomplish alchemy in orbis vr you walk up to a cauldron you lay the ingredients on a table you look at your book to see the recipe for the uh the potion and then you perform it you put it you pour the eye of newt into the cauldron and you wait and it turn the water turns a specific color and then it turns a different color and you got to wait until the right color comes up and then you add the next thing and you, you got to mix it the correct way you're actually mixing a potion with your hands that's pretty cool amazing right Okay, you so have like, a delicious dinner for you and your loved one when you're done? Like, I feel like this should be sponsored by uh, Blue Apron or HelloFresh <laughs> or something. <laughs> right. uh, so, warrior class. Now, it probably sounds not fun to say, oh, it takes physical stamina to do things, because people immediately envision waggling your arm around, gesticulating wildly in the air. Yes, you can do that, but what the warrior class actually requires is a very precise series of inputs and combos. There are a bunch of combos that do specific things that trigger specific skills. So you have to maybe do left to right slash, then an uppercut slash, then a right slash, uh, right to left slash. And you have to combo those correctly and do them right in order to hit the exact skill that you need to do. So yes, your arms are moving through space, but it's not like the wiggle waggle version of uh, sword fighting that people imagine VR to be, which is sort of just gesticulating um, sloppily at something to smack your sword through them. You're actually having to do these broad strokes that a swordsman might actually have to do. Now, if that doesn't sound fun, and it may not, there are three other classes, one of which is the rune master, rune or rune caster, which is the sort of the wizard class. That one you learn spells throughout the game. You collect these spells. And what you learn are these intricate patterns that you have to trace in the sky at a certain times in order to cast spells. So, you know, you trace a, a triangle in the sky. It does one thing. You trace a circle in the sky. But as you level up, you don't just get more intelligence points. You actually learn s skills, spells that are much more difficult to accomplish that actually add a third dimension of input. So you have to go triangle, but like on the Z axis into something. And then it actually requires you to be more skillful, use more of your intelligence and dexterity in real life in order to pull it off. 
There's a rifleman class that lets you throw traps and select uh, um, ammo that's it's like spinning around your musket and you pluck it out of the air and put it in the front of your musket and then fire. There's an archer class where you have to be really um, precise with your archer shots in order to queue up certain skills and spells. But everything that you're doing is like a physical manifestation, a, an actual skill set that's unique to that class that doesn't play like anything else. It's not just push buttons for this guy or push buttons for that guy like you might find in an MMO. You're actually fundamentally doing different things. And I think that's the future, guys. Like to you, that makes that that much more realistic. Yeah, I think it it, it is an immersive thing. And it's more than any of that, though, it's new. Right? It's nothing I've ever done in a video game before. It's it's asking me to approach it in a in a way that is completely fresh and I think very exciting. It's like you know how you've you've experienced fantasy worlds up until this point? Well now you're actually inside it and you have to interact with it in a way that's much more akin to how you might if it was a giant, you know, Westworld style fantasy. Like you're actually having to manipulate things with your hands and look at things and touch things and pick them up. That to me is what's so exciting. And that's, I think, much closer to that Ready Player One fantasy. Now, if you wanted to take it the next step, would you get something like, have you ever tried the Virtuix Omni? I have actually tried the Virtuix Omni. Yeah, like would you want to upgrade it to something like that so you're actually walking and running as well? I mean, maybe, maybe if if that worked really well. I found it. I'm of two minds about Virtuix Omni. I, I'm very curious what your experience with it was. But uh, I found it to be both goofy and awkward and also surprisingly good at the same time. <laughs> like I, it worked better than I expected it to, but also I kind of wouldn't – I don't know. I wouldn't want it in my house. <laughs> yeah, I, I was impressed as well. I, I guess I went into it having very low expectations. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was cooler than I thought it would be. Right. Um, but – yeah, I mean, I, I feel like running around in something like a Virtuix Omni, say that it was everything you ever wanted it to be, and holding a quarter staff or whatever right. your weapon of choice is, like that. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Uh, for people that might not be familiar, the Virtuous Omni is sort of this like personal omnidirectional uh, treadmill thing. Yeah, it's like a, they call it a gaming treadmill. Yeah. So you can run in any direction and it has um, it has a concaved floor and then kind of a belt that comes up that mm -hmm. holds you in place. So you put on these socks and can run in any direction and the belt holds you in the center of it. Yeah. It's really cool and they showed guys that, have, that are really good in it like these like eSport dudes that are competing in their Virtuix Omni game that they're making. Uh, and I, I think I would watch that. Like, that's cool. That's like a weird American Gladiator style, like, awesome thing to watch. Um, but I, I don't, I mean, people bought them. They did a very successful Kickstarter and everything. I just can't imagine putting it in my house. And that's coming from me, the guy who, like, you know, gets all the VR stuff. So, um, but yeah, it worked a lot better than I expected it to for all that. Anyway. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I just wanted to provide a little pushback, as you expected. So here it is. There you go. Now you can move on. No, I'm just kidding. It sounds. I don't know why you think I, I would push back on that. Like because I, I think, think if it, what I imagined you saying was, but I don't want to do any of that. I want to push a button and have the game do it for me. But the beauty, if that is the case, the beautiful thing is that, that I can do that. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Um, 
that game exists. Of course, it'd be, it's great to have games with different options. What I, my biggest problem with this type of game in VR is that I suffer from, uh, VR sweat real bad. And so I don't know if I want a game that will make me sweatier. I mean, that's the thing that keeps me out of super hot. Even VR is just oh, that's so good. how sweaty my face gets playing that game. And so if I'm actually hacking and slashing in it, I don't, I just don't know. There was a, um, was it at CES or somewhere else? But like a new workout shown in yeah. VR that was getting buzzed. And I just, oh, I hate, like some people hate sweating. I don't mind sweating. Like I'm okay even getting sweaty like in jeans, like if I'm like at the beach or whatever, whatever, right? But sweating in VR, that's where I draw the line. I, I, I hate it. I don't wear jeans it. to the beach. Don't wear jeans to the beach, Christian. So today there was this woman, we're at, I missed it, at a friend's beach house. There was this, I don't, there was a couple I just had tons of fun watching, neither here nor there. This woman was in like a bathing suit, a normal bathing suit, walking around. And then the guy whose hand she was holding was in like jeans, a dress shirt, a jacket. It was like one of them was like, let's go to the beach. And the guy was like, okay. I am he was not like, prepared. Yeah, the guy was like, oh, crap. <laughs> but they were splashing around in the water. It was uh, it was fun to watch. <laughs> I want to say one more thing about Orbis VR before we move off this, which I promise we will because everyone's probably sick of hearing me talk. No, I'd, why? stop, dude. Love your passion, man. Uh, the other thing that I forgot to mention that I think is kind of a game changer about this thing is – Every VR headset has a built-in microphone, and this game features just automatic proximity audio. So you go through this tutorial at the beginning of Orbis VR, and it teaches you about all the different classes and how things work. And then it says, okay, go out into the first city. And you walk down these big steps into the first city, and there's there were the, the times that I've played, there have been a ton of people just hanging around in the city. But they're all human beings in their VR headsets. And I was like wandering around and you hear them talking and they'll be talking about like, well, how do I do this? Or, or, or you hear them talking to somebody in their real world, you know, whatever. But well, the coolest thing was like there was a – it's a level capped right now at level 20. And there was like a group of, of like three or four level 20s and they were all having this conversation. And I totally just creeper lurked. Up in that conversation and just sat there and like this, this level one doofus just hanging out with these awesome level 20 dudes, listening to them talk about the cool uh, high level boss that they were taking down and what it took. And there is nothing like that in an actual MMO. You, you know, you can watch the chat thing as people type, but it is not like just casually walking through a cacophonous a volley of conversations happening all around you. That alone makes it feel like a real city. It feels like it's populated by human beings because it is. Yeah, that's super cool. The Ready Player One demo that I did was like that as well. Now, granted, there were not as many people hanging out in H's basement, but based on my location in the room, I could hear what everybody else was saying and listen in on conversations. And I, I agree with you. I think that's a big game changer. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we'll move on and uh, hit um, – Trisha's going to talk a little uh, tabletop time. But first, I want to thank our final sponsor. You've heard me talk about Squarespace. I've been using Squarespace, oh, man, a decade? A decade? Has it been a decade that I've been using Squarespace? Quite possibly. Uh, JeffCanada.com was built with Squarespace. Uh, I believe in them. I recommend them to all my family members. Anybody that needs to make a website, any kind of online presence at all, Squarespace is the place. 
It is the easiest, it is the best, it is the most robust. You make the coolest looking stuff with the best tools. Why not use the best? Go with the best. And everybody's got a reason to make something online, even if you're trying to sell something, if you're trying to create a marketplace, Squarespace, easiest way to do that. On an online portfolio or a personal blog or website, Squarespace, the best way to do it. You start with their award-winning templates you get to add and subtract stuff in just drag and drop easiness. It's so simple. In fact, you can check check out their tools, build your site without having to even input a credit card. All you got to do is go to squarespace.com and uh, check it out. Just start building your site. And when you're ready, when you're ready to purchase it, we're going to hook you up. We're going to give you 10% off your first order and – uh, you will give them the information that it's a good idea to keep sponsoring the show, which is really cool. All you got to do is use our promo code. This promo code is Jeff sent me J E F F S E N T M E. So go to squarespace.com, dream it, make it, build it. It'll be beautiful. It'll be easy. You're going to need a website. So why not use the best place to make a website? Squarespace.com. That promo code Jeff sent me gets you 10% off and supports the show. We appreciate it. All right, guys, uh, let's get into a little bit of tabletop time. Tabletop time, tabletop time. Right now, right now. All right, Trisha, I loved hearing that you and your husband uh, game together. The the couple that games together, uh they game together. That's you want to say stays together. Yeah, it didn't but... rhyme, so I wasn't going to go there. I don't. Know. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I'm so I'm so pleased to hear that. What have you been playing lately on the table? So a good friend of mine came over last weekend and was so excited because she was like, "Hey, I got this Legends of the Hidden Temple board game," and I was like, "Oh my god, yes, we have to play it!" You know, like these blast from the ba- past board games, the Save by the Bell board games, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> So much fun when you're just hanging out with your friends. So we were all excited to play this Legends of the Hidden Temple board game. Let me just tell you. (laughs) We got about 15 minutes in and we were all like, oh, man, can we just can we skip to the next part? Like, what's the next? Do we need to keep playing it? It was basically several rounds of drinking games, but without drinking. (laughs) Like we would get for a kid's game. Yeah, we would get through two pages of directions and be like. Okay, so it's it's flip cup. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's flip cup. Okay, great. Um, which I like the idea that they went with we need to have physical challenges because the actual show right. was physical challenges. I get that that's why they were doing that, but it just didn't translate to a board game very well for us. That being said, we all kind of agreed that if we were 12 or 13, this might be the coolest game in the world. You know that our mutual friend, uh, Anthony Carboni, was on the actual Legends of the Hidden Temple TV show. I do know that. That's hilarious. (laughs) We need to organize a a game of this with him and see how he... No, you can't play a a board game with a pro of that game, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I honestly, I I don't know that his skills would translate. (laughs) Yeah, that's just an indictment of the board game, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. I've yet to see anything that Carboni can't master if it involves a little good luck, a little charm, and a whole lot of fashion sense. So I think Carboni <laughs> could pull it off. Um, Trisha, how did this come into your life? Did somebody find it at a garage sale or something? 
Yeah, I don't know where she found it, to be perfectly honest. She was just so excited that she got this game <laughs> and had to bring it over. I think it might be relatively new. Oh, interesting. I don't know, um, but I think it might be relatively new. Yeah, it was it was very, very funny. So if you have a night where you're like, you know what? Let's just kill a couple hours and play a dumb game. Then Legends of the Hidden Tel- Temple definitely hits the nostalgia button. <laughs> Uh, and I know you've also been playing uh, Codenames, which is a game that's gotten a lot of love here on the show, too. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Codenames has a lot of different variations. And for Christmas, I got a couple variants on it. So anyone that comes over, I feel like you can explain Codenames to them in like five minutes or less. Yeah. So it's a really nice game when you have people over. And also because it's a team game, you're not so worried about number of players. And I don't know about you guys, but when I invite friends over to play board games, like there are your Axis and Allies friends, and then there are your Cards Against Humanities friends. Yeah. And these are different types of friends. And I feel like Codenames is not quite as simple as Cards Against Humanity, but certainly not as complex as you know any other tabletop RPG or Axis and Allies. Well, or- the magic of Codenames is it works for both groups. You know, like bo- everybody loves Codenames. It's it's accessible for the for the people who don't aren't usually into the heavy stuff and the heavy people can get a lot of fun out of the uh the strategy of codenames it's it's a universal good time yeah it's really nice what have you been playing lately jeff oh man uh lots of things um what shall i talk about uh, i played downforce have i talked about that already christian i don't think so I don't think so. You've talked, I see, uh, I, there are games on here you have talked about or we've talked about on the show. Maybe it was a guest that brought them up, but I think Downforce is new. So Downforce is, uh, a game. We had a friend of the show, uh, Rob Davio, uh, who's been on, I think a couple of times now, um, is a designer. He's the designer of the Legacy games, Risk Legacy and Pandemic Legacy and a whole bunch of other things. He has started a new company called Restoration Games. And their mission statement is to find old out-of-print games and bring them back into print, but not just in their original form, actually to sort of rehabilitate them or relook at them and kind of tweak things and make them feel like modern games, give them really modern components and tweak some of the rules and make them into really awesome games. May I suggest one Fireball Island, please? It was just, just announced. The Restoration Games' next game is Fireball Island. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I thought you were going to say Whoa. Legends of the Hidden Temple, which uh, maybe he should look at Legends of the Hidden no, Temple. No, I, I got lucky here apparently with my Spicedramus is coming true without me looking. <laughs> yeah. There, they just announced uh, their next game is going to be Fireball Island, which I'm very excited to see how he, as a master designer, how he tweaks those rules because basically that isn't a game; it's just a series of events that happen to make. Mar- uh, it's not a game. Up. It's called a lifestyle, Jeff. <laughs> Anyway, so let me tell you about Downforce. Downforce is a game that they put out uh, just recently. It's a, an old racing game like um, F1 or I don't know, you know, NASCAR. I don't know. What, it's cars racing around a track. I don't know anything. Um, but the cool thing about Downforce, uh, Christian, you've had experience playing Formula D with me, which was sort of one of my favorite racing games on, on the table. Uh, Downforce has a completely different uh, mechanic. The idea here is that Everybody gets a different color car, and then everybody gets a stack of cards, and those cards have a series of numbers associated to all the colors of the cars in play. But the numbers are different on each card. So, for example, if you have red, blue, white, black, orange on your card, 
you would have numbers associated with them that are all different on that card. Some cards have all those colors. Some cards only have a couple of colors. Some cards only have one color. But whatever the number is that's associated with that color is how many spaces that car moves. So if you play one of those cards out of your hand, your color might be white and your opponent's color might be red. But if those, if you play that card, all the cars move on that move on your play based on the number for that color. So you are actually moving all the cars potentially on your turn. So sometimes you'll have to play a card that actually benefits your opponent more than you. So it becomes this game of figuring out how you can box in another player before you play a card that actually benefits them or how you'll actually mitigate doing something good for other people while you're trying to do something good for yourself. It becomes really, really clever because you have this this series of cards that makes everybody move and they get to decide how they move when they move, but you're triggering other players' movements on your turn. Really, really cool mechanic that adds um, a lot of uh, interesting moments, uh, I will say that. So I, I had a blast playing Downforce and I really recommend it. That sounds cool. I have to check that out. Yeah, it's fun. It's super accessible, super easy to teach. And the cool thing too is that every everybody at the beginning of the game gets a special power. So every game is different because you auction off the special powers at the beginning. So you can create a really interesting um, individual game because your color might have a different power than it did last time. Interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. Cool. All right. That's going to do it for this episode, you guys. Um, we do have a parting gift. Oh, wait. Can I just mention my Scrabble story oh, very sorry. quickly? You got a Scrabble story. I apologize. I got my butt kicked in Scrabble. That's nothing new. Uh, I'm not a great speller. But <laughs> I also, because maybe I don't play enough, I'm, I'm playing with some serious friends that like really loves their Scrabble. Um, and so growing up for me, I always thought that when after the last person played their last tile – any remaining tiles that you had in your hand, you had to eat that, like your score, you would subtract that from your score. And then my wife always thought, no, uh, whoever plays the last tile, they get to add all of those other points to their total. Uh, but you don't have to subtract it, subtract it from your score. So we looked up the official rules as Wait, we were about to, to play. They get to add every other player's tiles to their score? Yeah. Huh. Okay. So you looked up yeah. the official rules. It's both. What? Yeah, I know. Because we were getting ready to play with some serious Scrabble players. So my wife and I wanted to come in like, you know, you want to walk in looking good, even though you like don't know how to, don't know any two letter words, which is the key to Scrabble. I learned the other night. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, we get to, and I looked up and we were like, holy, we had this little debate and we were apparently were both right and both wrong. If someone ends the game like with the last tile or, you know, plays all their tiles, uh, every, if you're, any tile you're holding, you have to subtract, subtract, I keep trying to say Scrabble, you have to subtract from your score. And then that, the person who played their last tile gets to take all those and add those points to their final score. It could be a huge swing at the end of the game. Yeah, that's huge. It certainly incentivizes finishing first. Yeah. So Scrabble, you know, the more you know. I'm sure a lot of people already know that, but I, I can't tell you the last time I actually finished a game of Scrabble. <laughs> Man, we, this was quick, quick and, uh, Quick and painful. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so bad. I'm so, so, so bad. 
Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, we do have a parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But Trisha Hirschberger, how much fun was it having you on the show? Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was fantastic. Oh, thanks. Tell people where they can keep up with you and your stuff online. Oh, man. If you want to see the stuff that I'm doing, I do a video game show every Tuesday on Geek and Sundry, and I do a tech show with Newegg every Thursday, and then I do a tech show with Kingston every Friday, plus I have my own YouTube and Twitch channels slash Trisha Hirschberger, or you can follow me on the social medias, that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Snapchat, at that girl Trish with no I in the girl. That's what I always say. There's no I in girl. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, oh, my, uh, the geeky bonus podcast to do at least 20 more minutes. Uh, it comes out on Tuesdays. You can find it at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer, but now for 2018 as well, it goes out publicly on the uninformed opinions podcast feed. So you can find that in your podcast player of choice, uninformed opinions, the ALTMM episodes are clearly marked and they go out Friday morning. So if you haven't been listening, um, check those out because the, oh man, apparently summer movie starts in February now, right? With Marvel and everybody gearing oh, to go and kidding. Black Mirror coming out in January or whenever it, it's, it's, we're inundated with amazing, with amazing geeky stuff these days. So I'm covering, talking about a lot of that stuff. And then, um, the, my parenting podcast, Department of Parenting. You can find links to all of that at departmentofparenting.com. Um, we've been putting it off and I think it's going to come out this Wednesday, but we talked about a couple of articles about how you talk about, um, me too and consent and stuff like that with your kids because it's everywhere and you can't avoid it. And so, um, Chris, my co-host, she and I had kind of been like trying to find the best way in to talk about it and not, not really wanting to per se, because it's a very real and raw thing, but we found a couple of articles that we thought did a good job with it. So that, uh, will be Wednesday's episode of Department of Parenting. Wow. Intense. Glad we're not quite there yet, huh, Trisha? <laughs> yeah, right. And you know what? Actually, if there's time, I'd love to plug one more thing. I always forget about this because it's so new. But uh, myself and Lasercorn from Smosh Games and Ivan Van Norman from Geek and Sundry launched a parenting channel called Nerds with Kids. Oh, cool. And it's on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube.com slash Nerds with Kids, you'll find us playing games with our little ones and uh, – doing just kind of like a weekly round table. It's basically we film our play dates. And Jeff, I, Jeff and Christian, I would love to have you guys on the show anytime you want to come. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Let's yeah. make that happen. Uh, as for me, uh, there are lots of other ways to check out stuff I'm doing. Uh, I have a daily podcast show, uh, podcast show, video game show as a podcast, uh, daily uh, video game show called Newest, Latest, Best that you can find anywhere you get podcasts or by visiting anchor.fm slash NLB. Quick hits, just 10 minutes a day, keeps you up to date daily. Uh, also, I do the Slash Filmcast where we talk about movies and TV shows. This week's episode is going to be all about the new season of Black Mirror. We're going to dig in deep on all of the episodes of season four. And uh, I also do the We Have Concerns podcast with the aforementioned Anthony Carboni, <laughs> uh, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. But what I'd like most for you to check out, if you get a chance this week, if you haven't yet, and you happen to be a subscriber to Hulu, try Defining Moments. It is uh, the eSports show that I did for Hulu. We made six of them. All of them are out now. Uh, and I'm hoping we get to make more, and that depends on you. If you guys like them, if you watch them and uh, enjoy them, we will get to make more of them. I'm, I think they're pretty cool. So, uh, 
Give it a shot. If you have Hulu, do a search for Defining Moments. Check out a few episodes. I bet you'll dig it. All right. Let's uh, wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Trisha, do you have something to get people through their week that might not be a video game? Yeah, this is uh, for any of the nerds with kids out there. Um, I recently discovered the company Bumpkins hmm. makes pop culture teethers. <laughs> so for both men and women, if you would like a teether that's a Game Boy, a Game Boy teether, a Wonder Woman logo necklace teether, a Bat oh, logo necklace teether, uh, they're unisex, but you can still uh, rep what you love. But also uh, have something for your little one to chew on. I love it because ever since my little guy was born, I like haven't worn any jewelry, and I feel like, oh man, like now, am I dressing like a mom? Like, am I not me? <laughs> so rocking my new Wonder Woman necklace that I get compliments on all the time has been really cool, and it's a teether. So win all the way around. The company's Bumkins, B-U-M-K-I-N-S. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Christian, how about you? What's your parting gift? Uh, yeah, there is a new series on Netflix. Uh, I think just the first one is out right now, but it is my next guest needs no introduction with David Letterman and he's doing long form interviews with, um, some really cool people. His first one is Barack Obama and I believe it's Obama's first interview since leaving, um, office as president. I think some of the others he has lined up, uh, George Clooney, Tina Fey, Jay-Z, um, I think there's a few others. I think there's like six or eight episodes for this first season. And man, I miss Dave Letterman. I think he's a great interviewer. I love seeing him do more long form stuff. It reminds me if you're a, a late show nerd or, or, or perhaps older, maybe you remember the Dick Cavett show, which was just awesome interviews. It was before late shows were like, oh, hey, you're here to talk about a movie. Let's talk about the movie. Here's a fan. Wait, have you ever done have you ever gone to a restaurant before? It's funny you mentioned a restaurant. Here's a two-minute bit perfected about restaurants. And then whatever, they move on. Um, just it's real really, long. It's what I used to love about Charlie Rose before he was a dirtbag. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully David Letterman doesn't come out as a dirtbag. Um, but the first episode is is really interesting. I imagine if you don't like Obama, you might not enjoy it as much. So maybe you might want to wait for the George Clooney episode, which I think is next. But um, I love long-form interviews with people, and it's uh, it's really cool. So it's called uh, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman, and you can find it on Netflix. I think they're in cars getting coffee, right, those people? All those no, but also people? since I mentioned it, go watch the Dick Cavett show. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. We got a listener-suggested parting gift. Uh, you can send in parting gifts if you'd like to give us a parting gift uh, by sending an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's where you can send any kind of feedback, in fact. Uh, this one comes from Falcon X Blast. Uh, he writes, With all the great fighting games last year and even more scheduled for this year, Street Fighter V Arcade Edition, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Soul Calibur VI, I'd like to suggest... Delving into the world of building your own fight stick. I started last year by buying a less expensive uh, Quanba Q1. Is that how you spell that? Pronounce that? Uh, and swapping out parts, uh, different uh, different push buttons, different stick ball top 
relatively simple modifications. This year, I replaced the brain of the stick with a Brook Universal Fight Board. It lets me use the same custom stick on PS4, Xbox One, PC, and even Nintendo Switch. The less expensive stick was still 80 bucks, and the Fight Board is about that much too, but I paced myself as the budget allowed, and in the end, for the price of what many single console sticks cost, I have one that works on all consoles and PC, plus the experience of tinkering and modding my own fight stick, which is something I've always wanted to do. It isn't as scary as it first appears, and it is a lot of fun. How cool is that, you guys? That is so cool. I I want to know, like, I wish he had had some links as to some instructions about this, because I'd love to figure out how difficult it really is. Like, does it take, like, soldering iron type it, no, level? No, it, depend, it depends on what you want to do. The scene is like any other, right, where you can really dive in and lose a weekend to it uh, or, or longer. But it, a lot of the stuff is, is plug and play, and it's much more approachable than it used to be. And and it's really cool because, I mean, you can pick the quality of the component, convex, concave, if you want, like, even though traditionally, um, I don't know the exact, but like Mortal Kombat uses a squared gate, but you prefer to play with rounded or an octagon and you can kind of build a stick that works best for you, combining things that typically you'd see like a Japanese stick when it come with this, but you can get the Japanese buttons with an American stick and really put some personality into it. There is awesome, awesome stuff in the custom fight stick scene. It's, it's incredible. Really cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to cool. Google. I'm going to have to do some Googling. Um, my parting gift though, uh, I got some new headphones and I really like them. You guys, I got them, um, on, uh, a black Friday deal, um, back then, but I just kind of got around to starting to, to, to use them more. Uh, these are HyperX cloud pros. I got them on a, a really good deal. It was like, I think it was like cyber Monday or something, whatever, but I've been using my, um, my Astro a fifties for the longest time and, I like those. They're wireless, whatever. These are so much better. I will be using these almost exclusively. The Astro A50s are just more trouble than they're worth. They, you have to worry about whether they're charged. They're not super comfortable. All of the bulk and padding like kind of squeaks when I move my head, so it kind of makes noises that are distracting. These ones, they're just comfortable. They're simple. They plug right into... Uh, auxiliary port, port on my controller on my Xbox One X, and I've been using them to play uh, Wolfenstein 2 late at night. They're great, and they were cheap. Uh, HyperX Cloud Pros. Uh, I, I Dude, recommend them. The Cloud headset line is so good, and usually at a very reasonable price point. And I will say, spoiler alert, at CES, I got to try on a new one that's not out yet. Oh, mine's Dude. garbage. Mine's now, now mine's garbage. No, don't say that. Yours isn't garbage, but Trisha's right. Those new ones... Oh, yeah. they're going to be great. I really couldn't believe how comfortable they were. They're super light, super comfortable. My Astro A50s I thought were comfortable, but they're really cumbersome and heavy, and I would wear them for hours and hours and hours and feel like I'd been underwater for a while. You know, it's like they're they're high-end and nice, but I, I just like the simplicity of these. They're just better, I think. Anyway. All right. That's it. That's the show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Thanks to Trisha Hershberger and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L. Sean Madigan and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. Uh, and thank you for downloading the show. We really appreciate it. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. All right. We are going to do some spoiler in. 
for Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. So fair warning, if you do not want to be spoiled on the story of Wolfenstein 2, now is your chance to turn off the podcast because Christian and I are going to go full spoilers on Wolfenstein 2. Um, first of all, I know you really enjoyed this game uh, and primarily for the story, right? I think I think that's fair. Yeah, it, it ended up not making a top, you know, my faves of the year. Um, but I really appreciate what it did in terms of taking very complex subject matter and but also combining it with this, what would you call it? I mean, it's almost like... Um, Pulpy? Yeah, like a, like a, yeah, like a pulp novel of old, but then plus... Um, an actual historical look at some of our country's problems as like yeah. combined with some of the stuff that's going on today and, and handling it in a way that was far better than it had any right doing. I think that's what ultimately that. impressed me throughout is that it has this, it's this game that this is going to sound so silly. It's a game that earns a scene of a pregnant woman with her breasts out covered in blood. You know what? Like it, it, it earns yeah. and does that moment. And you're like, yes, that moment works here. And like that, I think is the biggest compliment you, you can give. to the game. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is as over the top as, as can be. And that, you know, that is just one scene of it being over the top. It's like not even the most over the top that this game gets. I mean, we literally have our main character get beheaded and, and, somehow survive the experience. Um, but you're right. It is, I think, first of all, I will say that the monologue, not monologue, the scene that ends the game, that is sort of this very late titles <laughs> scene, uh, where you, you finish the game and then you get this, this scene of all our characters sort of spouting off and yelling at the camera. That speech I thought, first of all, was awesome. And like, really timely really and like literally very- to it i mean we're spoiling it so we can just go all out you're like it's a tv yeah. set like to camera to the yeah. audience to the nation and it ends at this moment and they've talked about machine games has talked about their envisioned trilogy and i could this game is a nice end to the game but you can see how there's potentially more game and how you potentially get mecha hitler you know or something like that right three but yeah they're at a, they're in a tv studio like a dick cavett-esque set a talk show and you get your revenge. You, you, um, uh, it's been too long since I've played the game. So names, character yeah, names. You, yeah. Stay. You hatchet. What's her face in the face? Yeah. Um, I think her name is hatchet face or whatever they call it. <laughs> um, yeah. and then you turn to the camera and you deliver this like inspiring monologue to the country where you as BJ and your band of quote unquote terrorists embrace this role of like, it is violent. It's messy. We're going to do this. And by God, we're going to take our country back. And it's this yeah. weird thing where you're just like, I'm proud to be an America. Like, it's like, it's rousing. It's, and again, yeah. in a way that he's dripping in blood and it shouldn't be earned, but somehow they do it. Yeah. It, the, the game is decidedly goofy and like the the narrative is goofy the characters are over the top goofy there's a lot of stuff in it the woman's breastfeeding while smoking and drinking and you're just like yeah (laughs) there's like a a sex scene in a in a submarine that comes out of nowhere there's like bathroom humor of this guy using a toilet (laughs) and wrecking a toilet there's like drug scenes where you see what the dude is tripping on there's all kinds of stuff that's that's super goofy super video gamey 
And yet somehow they pull off this weird marriage of tone where all of that can exist and and I can actually still be getting something out of the game that is relevant to today and makes me feel like the game is, you know, serious and taking itself seriously, but also not taking itself seriously at all. It, the, tonally, it exists in a place that I don't think a game has ever ex- existed. And it's a shame because I feel, I mean, it's not a shame at all, but I feel like this is what Duke Nukem wanted to do yeah. and thought it was doing and couldn't pull off. It's a very difficult thing to pull off. And, and I'm impressed that they managed to do it. I mean, I would say it's literally one of the only games to do it. Maybe Borderlands, but Borderlands doesn't go, you know, doesn't try to have a serious story. But in terms of like walking the line of like absolutely bonkers with like a narrative and a villain you dislike, you know, kind of balance. Yeah. Um, and Borderlands 2, I think it's 2, does have like a, something to say a little bit about – I think it's strip mining or whatever. I don't know whatever the theme of that game was. I forget. It's even older than, than Wolfenstein in my mind. Um, but I think too, I remember talking about when it came out, I'm curious your take, but like who would have guessed that in 2017, BJ Blaskowitz is one of the most nuanced protagonists, like <laughs> his evolution of what the beginning of the game where you only have half health and your body is wrecked and destroyed. And he's wrestling with the idea of he's a broken killer and that's all he'll ever be. And the world is, is, is awful because of him and all the killing he's done. And then yeah. he comes to accept it, but then accepts his own mortality and that he'll never see the end of it. And then as he gets this new Nazi body, it's, it's like the way the game switches in his tone of like, well, I'm a killing machine and I'm gonna kill. And here, and it's like this, yeah. this flip, this flip, this switch flips in him in the way the gameplay style changes what we, I kind of alluded around earlier in the game, I think is, is fascinating and how they managed to, to pull that off, like this emotional journey of this guy physically, then like confronting the sins of his father while dealing with being a, a new dad himself. It's mind blowing to me that BJ is so nuanced. Yeah, I just think that ultimately the game is trapped behind mechanics that are very staid and it's trying to do something so interesting narratively and is, and then you kind of keep just being put in this very old school shooter thing where it does that thing where people in the cutscenes are doing way more interesting stuff than the people in the game. You know, that's one of the things that I love most about uncharted games is the coolest stuff that happens i'm controlling the best example of that is Titanfall 2 i feel like right like you got to do all the cool stuff in that single player oh totally that's another great example but i i think naughty dog does that well um there are games that do that well but but you know there's a moment in in (laughs) wolfenstein 2 where you literally like detonate a nuclear bomb and then hop on this amazing single wheel like future motorcycle and i'm like oh awesome i'm gonna get to drive no it's just a cut scene where you watch him drive the motorcycle it's like no that's the cool thing i want to do that yeah um i mean you do get to ride on the back of a fire breathing uh giant dog which is a cool moment but um i i I don't know I, i feel like for the most part the thing I'm doing is just filler between the more interesting cutscenes in the game. And the cutscenes are so well produced too. First of all, the performances yeah. are amazing. But the way it's shot, like the camera's always moving and going crazy and it feels so cinematic and and like awesome. the, of what it is. It's like grindhousey or pulpy. Like they get yeah. those angles and like that cinematic form in a really cool way. 
Yeah. Did you, I mean, what did you think of the beheading and, and the justifying the fact that they somehow like get the head and just in the amount of time it takes to be able to, I mean, I guess it's just over the top and wacky in the way this game is. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it worked and it's this moment that lets you get a new body, which, you know, it's like such yeah. a literally a new body. Now you have full health because you're a new right. body. Like what a silly way to do it. <laughs> and for me, this game was more, just repeated moments of that. And it seemed like maybe it was every 90 minutes or every two hours you got one. And, and the biggest one I, I referenced the, you know, the topless woman covered in blood, but the biggest one was Hitler. And I didn't know Hitler was going to be in the game. And the version of Hitler you encounter is this pseudo based on reality, you know, idea of what Hitler was late in his life in terms of like extremely paranoid and rather frail as the battle took a toll on his body and he isolated himself. But this is like that version, but he won, but still went like Howard Hughes or something like that. Yeah. Well, he's just like senile and deteriorating and everybody, and, and because he's in this weird world where no, where no one says no to him. He can indulge in all of his insanity without any repercussions. I found that scene actually to be a little tedious. Oh, really? I, I thought that was I, the I one moment it. where you got to play the cool thing. When they put you in the box and like you're acting out, you know, wild bill or whatever they call him. I was like, Oh crap. Here we go. Cause I, I was like role playing in my head and I'm like, what do I do in this moment? Like, how do I get out of this? I thought it was going to be like a, a, a laborious stealth moment or something I had to do. Yeah. And then it just, you just go for it and you kill that guard and then you go after Hitler. And what did you do? The, the, the quest said, write this down as, as he's like learning his lines. And so I like literally pulled out a piece of paper and wrote down his lines. I probably didn't need to because I probably could have remembered them, but I thought it was cool in that moment. I was like, okay, I'll, oh yeah, I took I'll a picture. Down this I took my phone oh, out. You did? That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's Christian's version of writing things down. It's the same, yeah, it's the same difference. Uh, I'll Google it. No, yeah, I took a picture. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought that scene was a little tedious, but it is, it is crazy how far they go. I mean, there's a moment in the game where it's like, Oh, the, all the Nazis went to Venus <laughs> and it's like, it comes out of nowhere. They didn't set it up. They didn't set up the fact that you can go to Venus now and it's, they're just like, okay. And then you literally go to Venus and from like two levels, the game is Doom. I mean, you are playing Doom. You're like going out into the harsh confines of Venus and you have to worry about overheating. And, uh, you know, it was like, oh, we're, we're just playing Doom for two levels. <laughs> this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I mean, I, I've talked about it before. I think the, the gameplay and the mechanics, and I actually found that part to be a little tedious because in Doom itself, I don't remember having being limited by the environment. Like when you're in hell, I don't remember like a, a fail state kind of gas or poison gas or whatever it is. Um, but the, just the story progression and the way it unlocked for me, I'm glad that you enjoyed it enough to finish it. And I'm, I'm just so surprised at a game that at the two thirds mark, like you said, takes you to Venus, you kill Hitler still has room to surprise you. <laughs> as it keeps <laughs> yeah. going. Like, wh where do you go from there? You know? And I do think now they set up this world where, bj's head can be cut off put on a new body like if they make another one we're getting mecha hitler right like we're definitely yeah. going there yeah i guess yeah i mean there's no there's no over the top that's too over the top um it's and you say like oh i don't know of any other video game that can live in this place i don't know very many other media at all like i don't know of any tv shows or films really the only thing that that does this are comic books and it feels like a 
a crazy, uh, you know, Warren Ellis or Garth Ennis type, uh, just idea salad. It's, it's just like, this it's like preacher or the boys or yeah, um, exactly. Or planetary or, or like Robert you know, Rodriguez in film or maybe Tarantino yeah. can get away with some of this stuff. Maybe, but not even, maybe, maybe Tarantino, I guess is the closest, but it, it is, I, I admire it for its audacity and it's just bat s insane, you know, confluence of all kinds. I mean, you are going into space and you've got, you know, uh, you know, you're all over the map. And then you're also having these like really tender flashback scenes where he's remembering what it was like to be a kid and, uh, hang out with this little black girl. And like, it, it is just so all over the place. And it's all of that w- with the quality you mentioned before. And I think that's what makes it feel air quote or no air quote special, because yeah. a lot of times you might see something like this and it's just, you know, they don't have the budget or even in film or in other media, you don't, you know, so I'm like, yeah, you go, you, someone makes it themselves and it's not going to be this big budget, you know, hundred million dollar Hollywood blockbuster. And this, this is that it has, the graphics of any AAA title you've ever seen, the voice acting, everything is, is, you know, at 10 in terms of production quality. And they're making this wholly unique thing that, and I don't, I mean, I guess it is a sequel, so maybe it's not wholly unique, but I, you picture the pitch meetings being like, okay, our next game is a lot like Halo and it's Halo. <laughs> and then being like, <laughs> the studio going, we like it. Okay. Okay. This next, don't, don't think we're, don't think we're too wild here, but we're making an Uncharted without nathan drake can we get that budget and they're like and this game is like you're gonna have a pregnant wife and we're gonna have fart jokes and uh we're gonna have a a really big woman have sex with a jamaican guy and we're gonna have also your dad's gonna abuse you and it's gonna be really really emotional (laughs) like what it's crazy yeah they went for it yeah i got to admire it and i i was having fun by the end um just all the crazy places I was going and, you know, that cool final fight on the top of this flying <laughs> what, I don't know. It was, it, it, it's cool. I, I, it, I don't think it would have, even if I had finished it before the end of the year, it would have cracked my top five or 10, but I'm glad I played through all of it. And I'm curious to see if they're going to make another one where it will go. But, um, you know, I think the game had a lot of faults. Like, you know, the map was messed up. The, it was confusing. The level design was a little. I, as much as I loved the the ship that was your home base of operations and how crazy detailed it was, <laughs> it was so frustrating to have to get around and they'd be like, "Okay, go talk to so and so." And I'm like, "Okay, well, let's pu- pull up my map and see. Oh, I guess she, that person's not on this level, yeah. so I got to find some stairs in order to find out where the hell I'm even going." Yeah, all of that was very tedious and frustrating, and the fights themselves while they got better, weren't great. I, so it was uneven for me, but I totally applaud the ambition and the audacity of the narrative. Yeah, it's a game that I have a hard time recommending people play, which is weird because that's video games, but it's one that I think will stick with me for years to come where it's like yeah. you hear a comic say a bit and you're like, oh, that's brilliant. And you just kind of keep it with you or the first time I played Uncharted or Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4. Like I have these few gaming moments that yeah. while the whole game might not be perfect, I know I kind of got to experience something special. And, and that's what Wolfenstein 2 was for me. Well said. All right, that's our spoiler talk on Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus.